0: Good morning, City Hill. It is so good that we have the ability to be together, even when we're separated. But in the Spirit, there's no distance between us. And so just imagine the people of this church who you love, who are out there, who are watching and and worshiping together with you, even though physically separated. Praise the Lord. It's good to be together. And this morning, um, as you're tuning in, just friend this and send this out to other people because part of the goal, if we share this and, and we make this available to our friends, we can spread the good news of the gospel beyond City Hill. We can spread it beyond those part of our congregation because part of the heart of the gospel is to always reach out, always share the good news with others. So please do that. And You know, one of the phrases of the Bible, as I've been walking through this season, one of the phrases of the Bible that... Um, that I love, is a scripture that says, and it came to pass. <laughs> and then it goes on to talk about what happened, but things come to pass. This season will pass. It may feel like it's never going to end, but it's going to pass. We'll be looking back on that going, remember that? Remember the coronavirus? Remember how we had to stay six feet apart? We'll be giving big bear hugs. We'll be, It'll be great. Right now, we need to learn steadfastness, faithfulness, patience. And may I encourage you, don't waste this time. Don't waste these opportunities to let God work deeper things in you. When you're frustrated, when you're lonely, when you're struggling, say, God, do your work in me. Work these deep things in me. And one of the things I think God wants to teach us is thankfulness. There's a lot to be thankful for right now, even though life is tough. That's why the scripture talks about we bring a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. You know, praise when things are great, that's not a sacrifice. That's just, whoa, praise the Lord. We get excited, but when we're hurting, when life is tough, and we determine I'm going to praise the Lord even though I don't feel like it, that's a sacrifice. That's hard. And and this morning, no matter how you're feeling, no matter how your emotions are, Let's worship the Lord. Let's give thanks for who He is, for what He's done, for things that He's blessed us with. And I want you to just take a minute, just whoever you're with, and even if you're by yourself, speak out something you're thankful. Just say, you know, I'm thankful that God has done this. I'm thankful that God has given me this. I thank God for this. And together we're going to bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. I feel good what are you thankful for this morning tell somebody let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving this morning Lord I am thankful for this church I'm thankful for City Hill Church that you brought people together from all over this country to be a part of this family even from farther away from nations from people around the world Lord you somehow have brought us together for this time in this place, to be a part of City Hill. I'm grateful, Lord, for the privilege I have of pastoring this church. And Father, I'm also grateful for your spirit, that, Lord, even though sometimes we're alone, we're never alone. That Lord, your spirit resides in us. God, that you've given your spirit to lead us, to guide us. And your spirit's called the comforter. It brings comfort to us when we're so in need of that Jesus. So many people are walking through such hard times, God. May your spirit bring them comfort. And Lord, I thank you for the peace. Lord, when things are rough and the storms are raging, there's a peace that passes all understanding that's ours. And I'm thankful for that. That we don't have to be controlled by our circumstances, but you bring peace to us in the middle of the storm. God, speak to us this morning as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are on the third week of a sermon series on the return of Christ, which we're calling Jesus, the King, is coming. And, you know, as I've been preparing this, just every day I try to walk outside and look up into the sky, especially when there's a gorgeous sunset. Spent some time out at the lake this week and looking at the sunset going, maybe today. Wouldn't that... Maybe today, because the scripture makes it really clear. No one knows the day or the hour. So if anybody tells you, you know, I know when Christ is coming back, say, no, I don't think so. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but maybe today. And the Bible speaks so much about the second return of Christ. It's not some crazy doctrine, not some verse that's been misinterpreted, but it's central Christian doctrine that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back physically he's coming back literally it's not just we're going to feel some good warm vibes and a metaphorical Jesus will return when the world gets to some state no it's a Jesus Christ the son of God is returning to the world and he's coming back as a judge he's coming back as a judge He, he was here as a lamb but he's coming back riding on a white horse in victory And for those who don't know Christ, this can be a fearful thing. It really ought to be a fearful thing because he's coming back to judge the world. But the beauty is it doesn't need to be a fearful thing because the gospel is available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's coming back also as the groom, coming back for his bride, the church man, I'm so glad that I have the privilege of being part of the bride of Christ. And what what the groom says to the bride, what he says to us, to the church this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready? He calls us to be ready, to live at the ready so that we're always ready, that if Christ comes back today, we don't go, no, I I wasn't ready, I I didn't think. No, we live with our life in order, ready, for Christ to return for us. And the early church, man, they they found such great comfort in this. Their life had so many struggles and pains and persecutions and dangers. And they would say to each other, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Take hope, brother. Take hope, sister. Jesus is coming back. And with that, they would comfort and minister to each other as they realized that They would get through these hardships. And that in time, whether Christ came back or whether they passed away, they would come to be unified with their Savior. So I ask you the question, are you ready? And you might say, well, I don't know. I mean, what does it really mean to be ready? Well, the Scripture gives us some very good ideas. Last week I talked about the talents. One of the things that God or that Scripture tells us is that the Master, Jesus Went away on a trip and he came back and he checked to see what his servants had done with the gifts, with the resources that he had given them. And they were judged according to how they had used the talents or the giftings that God had given them. And I just want to say to you, use the gifts that God has given you for the kingdom. What has God given you? What abilities do you have? You may say, well, I don't have much. You'd be surprised at the giftings that you have, things that you may not even realize. And God wants us to use our giftings. And one of the things as I was looking at this, I realized that God is a God of multiplication. He's a God of growth. He's not a God of just guard what you have. God wants to multiply His work, His giftings through you. It's amazing. And I looked at this because Jesus says to Peter, He says, upon this rock, the rock of the Lord, of Jesus being the Messiah, upon this rock I will build my church. I won't just maintain, I won't just protect, I will build my church. Amazing. Jesus wants to build his church. It wasn't under this rock I will hide my church. It wasn't behind this rock I will protect my church so no one can beat it up. No, it's upon this rock I will build my church. The heart of God is to build. The heart of God is to reach out. The heart of God is to go after the sheep that is lost. The kingdom of God is always advancing. And we are a part of that. And part of being ready for Christ's return is to be a part of the extension and the multiplication of his kingdom. And so I've asked Barb Martinson to read for us a scripture this morning. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. So let's listen to Barb read that scripture for us right now. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, of the Bible, in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Thanks, Barb. I appreciate that scripture reading. You know, This scripture was written by the Apostle Paul. You remember him? He's the guy, the impetuous one. He's the one that when Jesus was walking out on the water, he said, call me to come unto you, and he stepped out of the boat. That's that Peter. Peter's the guy that took his sword when they were arresting Jesus, and he cut off the ear of a soldier. That, That Peter. Peter's also the one who denied Christ, denied he ever knew him three times. And that Peter, that full of energy, full of life, and full of fears, that impetuous Peter now is writing a letter. And now he's a key leader in the church. Isn't it amazing what God can do with you and me? I'm sure Peter never would have seen himself as a writer of the Bible. Peter never would have seen himself as one that would be leading the church. He kind of saw himself as a troubled guy maybe he's a fisherman but Jesus saw life and health and purpose inside of Peter and God sees things in you that you may not see at all God has put things inside of you that he wants to use for his kingdom he wants to call it out and say you can do it say well I'm a screw up I failed yes and God reaches down and says come on we can do it again You may be sinking in the water, and Jesus reached down and says, all right, but you did good. You took a couple steps there. He encourages us along the way. He wants to use these giftings that he's placed in us. And Peter has just come to this wild revelation that the gospel's not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. You've got to realize what a mind-blowing truth that was. They thought the gospel was for the chosen people, the Jews. The Bible said so. It also talked about the nations, but they kind of forgot those verses. They thought this is for us, and they protected it, and they guarded it, and the Jewish people rejected other nations. And Peter says, no. The gospel is for all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is just reveling in this new truth And he says in verse 7, the end of all things is near. Now, if you just took that verse by itself, you kind of see him on the corner, big beard, the end is near, the world is ending. But he was saying, the end is near. What he really was saying is, Jesus is coming back soon. Get your affairs in order. Jesus is, is returning soon. I want to ask you, when soon? Just, just when is that? When do you think Jesus is coming, really? Do you have an expectation that he could come back today? You know, the Bible does give us some clues. In Matthew 24, when they asked Jesus about this, he gave us some ideas of when, what to look for when we wait for his return. Some of the signs of the time where there will be wars and rumors of wars. We've had wars for every generation. Which wars? Hard to say, but there will be wars, earthquakes, famine, pestilence. When I read that, I go, "I don't know what it will look like, but it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. I think it's going to be far worse than a coronavirus. I think it's going to be where the world is shaking. I don't know if we're talking nuclear war or impact from from meteorites or it's just going to be something that God does divinely. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think it's going to be the world in a very, very difficult time. And yet Jesus says, not yet. Not yet feels like the world's ending. It's falling apart. And Jesus says, not yet. These are the birth pains. The birth pains. I love what Brian said in the first sermon in this series. He said, when birth pains come, it gets your attention. Boy, I remember. I, I have three sons. And I remember some of the birth pains that my wife went through with our first son. And when those pains come, you know, the, the response is different. It gets your attention. Guys go, ooh, wow. This is it. This is exciting. I got the bag. I'll get the car, honey. Guys get excited. They, it catches their attention. But for a woman, getting her attention is a very different matter. Their excitement probably isn't as great. They're more like, oh, oh, the pain. The It's not all joy. Giving birth is a very painful thing for many women, and it gets their attention too. And I think some of this getting our attention with Christ coming back will be painful. It will be hard times. It'll be times where we'll have to hold on tightly to our faith because life will not be easy. Yet, Jesus says, with all of this, not yet. But you move into chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 14, he says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through all the world, the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, all nations, and then the end will come. Wow, that's a powerful verse. You want to know when? When the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations. Boy, as a man with a missionary heart, I I love that verse. May we all have missionary hearts. Jesus had a missionary heart, and he looked and he said, I want all people, all nations, all language, all tribes to have the opportunity to hear the good news, to hear that Jesus gave his life for their sins so that they can be redeemed to God. I don't want any nation to be left out. I don't want any nation to not have the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ. I kind of picture a scene in heaven because Jesus says only the Father knows the time. And I kind of picture Jesus saying to the Father, now? Is it now? Is this the time? And And the Father looking down at some of the nations who have yet to hear the good news and saying, not yet. Not yet this nation in india this nation in china these nations in the middle east there's no word of god in their language there's no churches nearby there's no they've not heard the gospel they don't know that jesus loves them just wait a little bit more and i think that anything we can do to help the gospel get to these nations is part of god's plan the scripture peter talks a little later he talks about Hastening the Lord's return. Hastening the Lord. What does that mean? To hasten means to make happen quicker. To move move it ahead down the road. And I believe that we actually have the privilege. We actually have the joy and the privilege of participating in bringing Christ to the world. For the Lord's return. That we, as we see the gospel go out to the nations of the world. That we have a little part, but a beautiful part, in hastening the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons we as a church have such a missions passion. Because we believe that everybody, everybody ought to know Christ. Everybody ought to have the opportunity. There's a Christian Bill of Rights. And in the Christian Bill of Rights, it speaks of one, one part of it says that every person on the face of the earth has the right to hear the gospel in a language and in a culturally appropriate way so that they would have the opportunity to make a decision for or against Christ. I go, yes, Jesus. Everyone should have that opportunity. And we have a privilege to be a part of that. So, get ready. What does the Lord want us to do? What does it mean to get ready? Well, let's take a look at the scripture that Bar read. I, I get ready, so I think it means to sell everything, sell your house, sell your car, quit your job, buy a white toga, move to a mountain, lift up your hands, and wait for Jesus to return. Right? <laughs> no, of course not. People have done that. I don't know what they said when they came back down the mountain, but that's not what Jesus calls us to do. But Peter gives us some ideas of what we should do. He says, be clear-minded and sober. Clear-minded and sober. So sober, don't get drunk. Don't be out partying and reveling and just indulging the flesh. Stay sober. And it's not just alcohol. It's a matter of staying sober-minded so we don't get so distracted with all the cares of this world that we lose our focus on the the kingdom of God. Stay sober. Stay focused. Stay clear-minded. You know, one of the ways I would say we stay clear-minded is to make sure things are right inside of us. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure you're walking in forgiveness. If there's anybody you haven't forgiven, it's hard to stay focused on the Lord when you're carrying bitterness and anger and, and contention in your soul. Get rid of it. Get rid of anger. Get rid of bitterness and get your mind clear so we can focus on the things of God. Clear-minded and sober. Peter goes on and says, so that you can pray. So we clear our mind so that we can be people of prayer. And I want to just say that it's good to set times aside to pray. You know, if you say, well, I'll pray whenever. Sometimes that whenever just doesn't happen. Recently, uh, my wife has, she read that I will praise the Lord seven times in a day. And she's, so she sets an alarm on the phone. And I, we're somewhere and the alarm goes off and she goes, Oh, time to praise the Lord. And she praises the Lord for a minute. And she goes, I'm going to try to praise the Lord seven times every day. Okay, I've laughed a little bit. It's a little silly at times. You know, you're in the middle of uh, making dinner or you're in the middle of a conversation. But you know what? It's pretty cool, really. It's cool that we she set times aside to praise the Lord. What a good reminder in life. Set times aside to pray. Pray with us on Wednesdays when we have days of prayer and fasting. Pray in the morning when people are gathering on Zoom and they have prayer meetings at church. It's all there on the web. It's all on our internet um, homepage. Let's be people of prayer. And then Paul, then Peter goes on and says, Love one another deeply. These are all ways to be ready for Christ's return. Love one another deeply. That's when I ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing with that? Are you loving one another deeply? Are you caring for the people around you? Are you serving those in your home, or are you complaining that they're not serving you enough? Are you really loving the people that God has placed in your life? One of our goals in life must be to love well. A friend of mine said that the only competition that a marriage should have is who can serve the other more. That's a good one. I like that. May your heart just be how do you love people better? How can you serve them better? How can you be more thoughtful or considerate? And How can you encourage and build them up more? Can you imagine what this world would be like if we really were Excellent lovers, excellent people that cared for those that God has put in our lives. And you know, I, I like a statement recently that I heard that Jesus always led with love. Jesus always led with love. You know, sometimes when I hear that, or I hear that, and I think, well, no, but we, we, we got to be careful. Because we can't just be soft. We can't just have so much grace that there's no rules and people just do whatever they want. We're not saying that. We're not saying give away the law, don't care about the Ten Commandments or anything like that. But Jesus led with love. He loved the tax collectors. He loved the drunkards. He loved the prostitute. He loved people. And then he called them up to righteousness. Let's be people that lead with love. Let's be people that are known for those who love people, not those who beat people up with the Bible. Let's be those who lead with love. Love, and it says here, because love covers a multitude of sin. I love that. And we kind of think love sometimes reveals sin so that God can judge people, but the Bible says there's a Holy Spirit that brings conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit Brings conviction of sin. And the Holy Spirit is alive and well. And he doesn't need you to be a junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction of sin. And we're called to love people. And I, I tell you, the more you love people, the more you'll find people facing their sins. Changing their lives. The scripture says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So as we show the kindness and love of God, I believe that people will be convicted of their sins and come to righteousness, not because we're forcing them, but because they've encountered the love of Jesus. So love covers a multitude of sin. And Peter goes on and says, show hospitality. Wow. Hospitality really is showing kindness. Hospitality is giving food or housing to Guests or strangers, it's a paying for somebody's meal. It's bringing somebody into your home, using your home as a tool for the kingdom, looking for people who may need a place to stay. You know, if, lot, if the world really does go crazy, if things get really, really hard, we'll be staying in each other's homes. We'll be looking for places to stay. Life could be not the world that we know today. And hospitality is having that openness that looks how to care for those around you, how to care and bring food to those who are in need, how to reach out to those who are in prison. It's showing the kindness of God to people who are in need. St. Benedict, known for his hospitality, he says, True Benedictine hospitality requires that we welcome strangers not only into our homes, but into our hearts. And that's why Peter says, show it without complaining. Do it joyfully. You can't just go, yeah, here's your food. Yeah, sure, you can have a place. No, it's, we welcome people as if we're welcoming Christ into our hearts, into our homes. That's what, one of the ways for us to be ready for Christ's return. So let me just summarize. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for you And for me, he's coming back for his bride. And he says, be ready. Don't be lazy. Don't be distracted. Get your head clear. Be ready. Be ready today. No one knows the time or the hour. And be ready, my brothers and sisters, by keeping your focus on the things of God. Not getting distracted by clothing or food or other things that can throw us off, but keep our minds clear. Not being distracted. Be people of prayer, which means you're going to keep your relationship with God right. Be people with love, which means your relationship with each other is going to be in good order. Offer hospitality. That means you're going to be reaching out to those outside. Those people you may not even know. You're going to open your homes to them. And meanwhile, you're going to use all the gifts that God has given you for his glory for loving people, for caring people, for reaching out to the world, using the gifts that God has given you. And that, my friends, is how we can be ready. That's what the scripture says it means to be ready. Be ready for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maranatha City Hill, the Lord is returning soon. May God bless you, may the Lord keep you, May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may God give you peace. God bless. We'll see you soon.